All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Second chances. Second chance. Second chance. That's the name of today's word. It's called second chance. Second chance. So before we get started, I want to ask you guys some questions. You know, um, one, have you, ever, have you ever let somebody down? Anybody ever let somebody down? Right? Somebody trusted you with something. They trusted you with a secret. They trusted you with some information, and you let them down. I don't know, you got the giggles at a party one day, or something's going on, you know, you get excited, and you, you let it out. You, you know, you let it out. And everybody looks at you, and you don't, you're the one that let the cat out of the bag when you were supposed to keep it a secret. You let someone down. You broke their heart. Perhaps, uh, you know, um, you know uh, perhaps you, you, you were supposed to do something for someone, right? You were supposed to do something for someone and you didn't come through. You let them down, right? And uh, you left them stand. Oh, I can say this. We're not live. Okay, listen. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story, right? Because my dad be watching my live, so I can't be saying too much. So, I, I, so, so I'm going to say this because he's not going to see this one, right? I love my dad. My, I love my dad. You know, I call him Bishop. You guys hear me talk. I'm like, what's up, Bishop? Bishop. And, um, and, and, and so we were living in Camden. Who li- anybody live in Camden? No? No? Were you? No, not, not Camden? I lived in Camden for two years. It was the transition from the Bronx to Philly. So we, we, we hung out in Camden for a little bit, right? And... Um, and I remember my, wife, my mom had just given birth to my youngest sister, um, and, and I, I was going to school. My school was literally like three blocks from my house, and my mom would pick me up. She would walk me back. It was like, it was like fourth grade or something like that. And um, th- at this point, um, the transition from the Bronx to, to Philly, my father was still working in the Bronx. Like, you know, he, was still, he still had his job there, so he was commuting every day. So at this point, I remember it was snowing. It was snowing even before we went into school. And my father said, listen, don't walk home. Your mom is with the the baby. I'm going to pick you up. Wait for me at school. I'll pick you up. So class is 3 o'clock. Class is out. Bling. And I'm sitting in the classroom, right, waiting. waiting. And the teacher's like, listen, um, you got to wait in the hallway because I'm trying to go home, right? So then um, the teacher puts me in the hallway. And then um, at this point, the janitor's like, hey, go into the office because that way, you know, somebody can watch you. I'm like, okay. So I'm in the office. I see people, like, leaving one by one. All of a sudden, the last person in the office is like, so you're going to have to be in the hallway because we're, we're locking the office up. So they kicked me out of the office. Now I'm in the hallway. Now, um, not too long after that, the janitor was like, listen, um, we're about to lock the school building up, so you're going to have to wait outside. And I was like, Okay. You know, and so now I'm outside. So if you know what happens at wintertime, it gets darker faster, right? So it's already, it's getting kind of dark. It's like, I think it's like five something, right? I'm still waiting. And now I'm outside. And it's snowing. And it's coming down. And I'm on the corner of the school like this, just waiting and waiting. Now I knew I knew how to get home. It was only like three, four blocks away. But my dad told me, stay there. We had no cell phones back then. You see with cell phones? Cell phones be like, yo, I'm going to go home, Pop. But we didn't have that. So I didn't want to go home and then my father come to the school and then get worried because I wasn't there, right? 
And so I was like, I'm going to stay right here. And my dad showed up like I think like 6.30. And it traumatized me because I'm 40 years old telling you this story. All right? All right? Traumatized. Um, so my dad let me down. My dad let me down that day. That day he let me down. And, and it stuck me forever. You know? Um, has someone let you down? Have you ever let someone down? You know, what was their response? Did you give them a second chance? I gave my dad a second chance. You know, I still love him. You know, the, the joke is, though, I don't ask, I don't, I don't, I don't pick me up. I got it. I mean, ever since, the, I mean, I mean, even when I was in high school, I was like, yo, don't, don't worry about it. I get a ride. I get a ride. Don't, don't pick me up. I ain't waiting for you, man. You know, and, and the thing is, and, and, and that was the joke. And I know, like, it bothers. That's why I can say it today because he's not going to watch it. But, like, when he hears me say it, he's like, oh, here we go again. You know, like, like I just don't let it. It's like, the, it's like the cut that you never let heal. Like, when it starts to heal, like, no, 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 I'm going to open it up again. So that's how it's been with my dad. But um, I gave him a second chance. I did, you know, as far as loving him. Not as far as rides go, I, I'll be good. Um, but what is the response that you got when you let someone down? You know, that they give you a second chance, that they just like move on, say, you know, whatever, forget you. The question is, can God redeem failure? Can God redeem it? You know, does the, does the Lord give people second chances? Man, we serve a God second, like I mentioned a second ago, second, third, fourth, ten chances. I mean, un- unlimited chances, he continues to give us. The Bible's filled with stories of failures that were redeemed. You know, for, to, name, to name a few, you have uh, Abraham, you have Moses, David, David, we all know that one, right? David, you know, um, Peter, Peter, stories of redemption. Stories of these men of God that let God down, but yet they were redeemed. And not only, did, and not only did, did, does, he, does he redeem them, but then he gives them chances to continue serving and, and, and be able to do great things for the kingdom. There's another story of redemption that this one's kind of overlooked. I, I kind of I like this one, you know, but this is someone we don't really talk about too much, and it's of John Mark. Um, Mark, John Mark, depends the version of the Bible that you read. Um, and so it, it, to clarify, it is not John, like the disciple John, okay? It's Mark, the one who wrote the second gospel, Mark. Okay, I want us all to be on the same page, all right? And so let's take a look at his story. This is it's almost going to be like Bible study style a little bit to, to today, today. So, so let's, let's, let's learn about Mark. Let's learn a little bit about him. So let's turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 11. 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11. All right. Don't worry, it's only a three-hour service since we're not live. You know, now I'm playing. All right. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him uh, with you, for he is useful, useful to me for ministry. Now, you guys are like, why did he read this verse? Like, what is it? Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. This is Paul talking. Um, Paul is, in his letter to Timothy, this is, these are one of the, um, uh, 
Well, this is, we'll mention it later, but this is kind of like the last reference that's made about Mark. And so uh, it's interesting what we're reading here because we're about to go into his story, so you'll see why. You'll see why. The Bible tells us about this guy named Mark, and, uh, and he leaves an interesting life. It's a life of ups and downs. And so what we're going to do is we're going to travel through the word a little bit just to, to see what kind of guy Mark is. Who is Mark, right? We don't want to just say he wrote the, the gospel of Mark. We don't want to say that. Like, who is he, though? Like, where he, where he go? What he do? So let's talk about him. Um, and through his life, as we're going to talk about his life, we're going to see the God of second chances in his life. All right? So first, it's possible, it's possible. See, this isn't confirmed. It's not 100%, but it's possible because many scholars believe that uh, Mark was at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was taken. And there's a reference made in, chap- in Mark chapter 14, 50 through 52, and I want to read these verses with you. It says, Then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man followed behind, following behind was clo- clothed with only a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. It's kind of funny, right? Now, uh, scholars actually believe that Mark is referencing himself in this passage. Now, we don't know if it's true. We don't know if it's not. When we get to heaven, we get to, you know, do some fact-checking, right? But in the meantime, if, if he is referring to himself, then we see that the beginning of Mark's journey, the beginning, it goes back to all the way where Jesus was still present. Like Jesus was there. He, he was walking among, G, uh, among Jesus, listening to him, learning from him, following him, you know? So we see that it takes us back to there. We, get, we again see Mark involved in the early church. How do we know this? Well, we read the, the chapter 12 of Acts. That whole chapter kind of talks about how uh, Peter was captured and Peter was going to be executed and the church gathered together to unite in prayer so that he wouldn't get killed. And so if you look at verse 11, you find out that they were gathered at the house of Mark's house. I mean, it says, and his mother, so he was still living with his mom, which, by the way, kind of gives you the age range of who Mark was. Hey, I know you laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, he wasn't 40 years old still. No, um, no listen, he, he kind of, st- it shows us that he was a young guy living at his mom, but that even in that age, in that time, he was involved, he was involved with the early church. It wasn't such someone that showed up. It wasn't someone that just maybe clapped or sang or just, no, he was, he was serving. His home was open. They were gathering there. He was hosting, right? So we see his involvement in the early church. Then after that, he graduates from opening his house to getting to go on a missions trip. And so now we see that he's on a missions trip to uh, Cyprus, right? Cyprus. And this is the thing. He didn't just go on a missions trip, you know, with his, with like, and just anybody. He went with Paul and Barnabas. Like, yo, listen to me. He, he went with, like, these two amazing men of God, powerful men of God. So he goes, and now he's on a missions trip 
with Paul and Barnabas. And he gets to um, he gets to be like their assistant. Like he's traveling with them to be their assistant. And he gets to witness um, in this missions trip the power of God work. He gets to witness how uh, Paul has to, to lay, it, lay it down on this sorcerer, right? And, and, and this sorcerer goes blind. It's a good story. Go ahead, read it, read it, right? Um, he gets to see how the highest official, government official of the land gives his life to Christ, right? He gets to see all this with his own eyes. He gets to see that, that God is definitely um, uh, working, and he sees the great power of the gospel bringing people to salvation. So, so he didn't just go on a missions trip um, and, and, just, and just do one thing. Like there's humanitarian missions trips where we go, we build churches, we build schools, we, you know, we hand out food, and th- those are amazing things. But he didn't just see that. What he saw was he saw lives transformed. He saw people come to Christ. He saw, he saw uh, supernatural things happening. But, everybody say, but... Something goes wrong. Something went wrong. We don't know exactly what happened, right? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, what happened to Mark? What happened to Mark? I'm going to read you the verse before we keep going. Acts 13, 13. It says, Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Paphilia. Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Okay, so we see, we see them going in one direction, but when, they get to, but when they get to Perga, it says that Mark left them. Like, he, he left them, and he went back home. So the question is, like, was he homesick? Was he, was, did he get scared? Like, what happened? You know, did he, not, did he not like the hardships that came with serving God? Do you know what that means? Because sometimes it's not easy serving God. Sometimes that we have to endure some trials and tribulations. Sometimes it's those trials and tribulations that will help mature our walk with God, that help us grow stronger in our faith, because without trials... Right? Without trials and tribulation, then how can we expect our faith to sometimes grow? We need it. I, sometimes I look at trials and tribulations as faith food. Because <laughs> trials and tribulations are faith food. Let's change the perspective when we go through trials and tribulations. It builds your faith. Because it draws you nearer to God and your dependency on God. Okay, so, so all we know is that they're on a mission and Mark leaves them and he goes home. So again, we, we turn to men and women that are smarter than me and wiser than me. And their theories are that, their theories are that he was young, right? Their theories are that he was, he, he, was, he was passionate, but yet he wasn't spiritually mature enough, you know? Um, and, and, and that's just several things that people think. Again, we get to heaven, we fact check all that, right? Um, 
But they believe, they believe that it may have played a part. I mean, what if, what if it was that time when they were like, you know, in, in the house of the a government official, and, and if you don't know the story, there was a sorcerer that kind of was, um, a, they call it attached to this government official. And um, when Paul was ministering to this government official, he was, he was like rebuttaling everything and trying to, to, to kind of like discredit them. Finally, Paul had to like pray and, and, and he was struck with blindness, the sorcerer. Couldn't see at all. And so, you know, hey, Mark is witnessing all this. He probably was like, oh, I didn't sign up for all this. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Sometimes when we see some things move in the supernatural, it can rock us a little bit, right? It can shake us. It can scare us when we say, whoa, what is that? I didn't sign up for this. So maybe, maybe he was like, oh, hey, I just wanted to take some notes. I didn't think I was going to be on scene all this. So maybe, maybe he goes home for that. Like, I don't know. As a result, though, whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, Mark becomes a disappointment. <laughs> he becomes a disappointment. It's okay. Be free to laugh. Be free to laugh. He became a disappointment. And um, he caused division between Paul and Barnabas. You know, and I'm not going to read all the verses, but you can find that you can find most of it uh, in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. Um, you see, Paul and Barnabas, they're getting ready now for their second missionary trip. They're going to go, they're going to go out to the mission field again. And Barnabas, Barnabas is like, yo, let me call up Mark so he can come with us. And Paul, you see, Paul, if y'all know Paul, Paul's an OG, right? <laughs> Paul was like, no, 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 no. Yo, dude, he bounced on us on the first one. He ain't coming with me on this one. Like, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, you, by, by, look, just by Paul, reading how Paul's reaction has got to tell you the kind of man that Paul was. He was a gangster. Like, you don't let him down and then think you're going to hang with him again, right? You don't abandon him before a fight and think you're going to hang. That happened to me in high school. Too. Okay, well, let me see what happens. I'll tell you that story another time. Long story short, there, was five, there were ten of us at first, and then when it was about to happen, it was two of us. And I was stuck with my friend and, like, against one of the other guys, and we had to pull, out, like, we had to pull the, come on, man, y'all. We, we was, you know what I'm saying? And so we had, we, had to, we had to ease our way out of that, right? That's the fast version. There you go. <laughs> Paul insisted that Mark had abandoned them before, and that he was not worthy to come with him again. Uh-uh. You let me down? You, that's it. I'm done with you. Hey, these are serious times. You know, we have, the, we have the liberty of being able to go anywhere, at least in this country, and shout from the rooftops how great our God is. At least, at least still, right? So let's take advantage of the, of the fact that we still have that freedom to do so and do it and exercise it. And see, in those times, it wasn't as simple as that. At those times, Christians were being persecuted. And so you understood that you were signing maybe your, 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 your death, you were signing your death warrant, death threat, whatever, you, by, by being publicly uh, preaching the gospel of Christ. He said the disagreement was so serious that these two men of God split up. And, and, and the actual verse is in verse 39. 
of Acts 15. And it says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul was like, go ahead. Go ahead then. Go on. Because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hanging with Mark. I can't trust him. When times get hard, he'll just run away. My question in this, in the, in, with this point is, when times get hard, what is our response? Can God look at us and say, when times get hard, that's my homie, he's my G, he'll be by my side, I know I can count on him. Or does he look at you and be like, when times get hard, he's going to sway. He's going he's gonna to be embarrassed. He's going to be shaken. He's going to be moved. He's not going to stand his ground or she won't stand his ground. We all have friends in our life that we know. I'm not even bothered with them because they won't, they won't be there for me when I really need it. And we have friends in our lives that we're like, doesn't matter what I'm going through. If I place a phone call, they'll be here today. And so if we have friends like that, the, we, we, we already know I can count on you. I can't count on you. Where are you when God looks at you? Can God count on you? Or does he look at you and be like, one day, hopefully. I mean, he knows, but you know. Mark isn't mentioned for years. He's not mentioned for like, they estimate about another 20 years. You don't hear anything about Mark. But then all of a sudden, Mark starts popping up again popping up again, and he makes a comeback, the big comeback. We see him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, and, and we see that Mark is with Paul there. Weird, right? Um, we see him in Philemon uh, 1, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 1, verse 24, and this is Paul is calling Mark a fellow laborer. Again, that's weird. Paul, you just didn't want to roll. You didn't want to, you didn't, you didn't want to rock. You didn't want to rock with this guy. Now you're talking about him like this? All right. We see him in 1 Peter verse 5, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, and he's serving with Peter in Rome. He's acting as a, uh, Peter's assistant, like he's, you know, he's he's assisting Peter. And then, you know, we're told, and, and we read uh, the commentaries and things, that we, we find out that Mark goes on to lead a great ministry in Egypt in the region of Egypt. And then we also know the obvious, that he wrote the second gospel, the gospel of Mark, right? That he was chosen by God to do that. This guy that ran away, this guy that failed God or failed Paul, Paul and Barnabas, this guy that, that, that maybe was once so passionate and all of a sudden something happened that he ran away from it or, or he turned back or he went back. We don't know what happens, but we know that he was once here. He walks away from there, but now he's back. He's back. Somewhere down the line, Mark made a decision to not just be a has-been. And sometimes in the body of Christ, there's a lot of has-beens. And, and not to say it in a bad way, but let me, let me give you an example. Someone who was once so passionate for the Lord, right? Active, serving, working. Like, I'm talking about like there. And things happen. Life happens. Situations happen. People let you down happen, right? And all of a sudden, that's not the same anymore. 
All of a sudden, you don't have that passion anymore. All of a sudden, you don't have that desire to serve anymore. All of a sudden, you don't have the desire to work anymore. Like, I ain't getting paid for that. I ain't going to go to church for that. I said it. Some people be thinking it. I just said it. We ain't live right now. I told you y'all going to get now. No, no. But the thing is, we think about that like, wow, oh, you want me to go over there and do this and this? Man, Jamal, listen, Jamal is sick and tired of having to reach for things. All right? He done tell me like a million times. That's why we have ladders. Okay? And now Andy. Andy's back there. He's just as tall. <laughs> no, the thing is, and so, and so the thing is, like, and, and, you know, we say that jokingly, but the thing is this. It's like some people get tired, and they're like, I'm doing all this. Why am I doing all this? But he made a decision to not just be a husband. At some point, Mark reevaluated his commitment to the Lord and said, I got to do something about it. He reevaluated his walk with God, his commitment to the Lord. He said, I can't just stay here because um, if I just stay here, I'm just going to fade into, back into the world. I have to do something. I have to reevaluate myself and my walk with God. He didn't want to be known as the Christian who started strong and then faded into, into, faded away into nothing. But the last time we hear about Mark, it wasn't to tell us how useless he was. The, second, the last time we hear about Mark, it wasn't to tell us that he was uh, scared or that he was a wimp or that he, he you know, he was homesick. Or it, it doesn't, it doesn't, the last references to Mark didn't say anything negative. His last reference said that he was useful for the work of the Lord. It, remind, it, it just shows me, it shows me that we don't, we don't have to be remembered for the mistakes that we make. We don't have to be remembered for the, the times we let each other down or God down. Okay? We can be remembered for allowing God to use you and, and for God to be glorified in your life. And you can leave a legacy behind of submitting your life to Christ. So, let's start the sermon today and uh, look at some uh, life points that we could take from this, right? <laughs> um, they're quick points. Um, so, a good Christian start is just the beginning. When we come to Christ, that's just the beginning. You know, um, some people feel like, okay, I accept the Christ, I'm good. No, it's just the beginning. What, I mean, I know what good is accepting Christ. You get to go to heaven, but why are you saved? Just for you? Is, it, is, it, is this a selfish salvation? Oh, SS. We got a new one, SS, selfish salvation. Is, it, is, it, are we, are we, are, is that it? Is it a selfish salvation? Am I saved just for me so that I don't burn in hell for eternity? Or are we saved now so that we can go on and be used by God as his hands and feet to expand the kingdom of heaven? So that our loved ones have an opportunity to live eternity in the presence of God, right? Our friends, our families, our neighbors, our community. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. 
What are you doing with your salvation? Ask yourself that right now and answer it to yourself. What are you doing with your salvation? Who are you speaking to? Where are you serving? Where are you working? What does your commitment look like? What are you doing with your salvation? All right, two. See, I told you that was fast. We, 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 we're responsible in our own, in our own um, Christian life to move forward. We can't expect our Christian life to move forward because of everybody else. Though this dude was with Paul and Barnabas. Yeah, I don't know. You see, they're not excited. They're not, you guys don't get it. Paul, man, I'm going to hang out with Paul when I get, when I get up there. He was with Paul. And even in the company of these two great men, right, Paul and Barnabas could not walk his walk for him. Like, they, he, they, couldn't, like, they couldn't walk his walk for him. They couldn't make the decisions for him. He had to make his decisions. He had to choose. He had to see God himself. Being surrounded by great men and women of God doesn't guarantee your relationship with God. However, we should desire to surround ourselves because even though it doesn't guarantee your walk with God and your decisions, it does influence you. And so we do want positive influences in our life. We do. But I myself am responsible for seeking the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my body, and my mind. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, and you will seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Okay. If we aren't careful, you can become uh, uh, disinterested. Uh, You can draw back from the demands uh, uh, and hardships of serving the Lord. We talked about this briefly. It's like when things start to get rough in your walk with God, all of a sudden you start to back up like, no, I didn't sign up for this. You know, you want to serve God. You get so passionate. You know, when people first come to Christ, it's like, ah, like, you know, I'm saved, right? And all of a sudden, like, like oh, but wait, I got to do that? I got I to gotta not do this? I got to stop this? I got to, oh, no, no, I didn't sign up for this. And what happens is we become disinterested and we start drawing back away from the Lord. When things get tough, we look for easier ways because, you know, naturally we don't want to do things the tough way. We don't want to go through tough times. We don't want to suffer naturally. And so what happens is when we start to go through those trials and tribulations, we're like, okay, well, what, what else is easier? I mean, what's the easiest way to have my walk with God? There's particular churches for that. Um. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't endorse those, though, because it's not always easy. In our walk with God, if we look at the examples in the Word of God, all the men of God that had devoted their lives to the ministry, it wasn't easy. And a lot of them went through some really, really tough things. Wait a minute. God, you know I wanted to do this but you're telling me to do this? My agenda and your agenda don't line up. Our calendars are not synced. So uh, you either change yours or I got to do something else. Because sometimes we want our agenda before God's. That one one, one sneaks up on a lot of us. We don't realize it. Sometimes, you know, because we don't see it as a sin, right? We don't see it as a bad thing. We see it as, well, I'm just planning my life. 
I just want a good life. I want to plan my life. I want to, I want to make sure that my life is set. And then when God starts changing, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait. I had a plan. The five-year plan, right? Your five-year goals, 10-year goals. I had plans. Still make them, but understand that God can change them. We, all, we learned that we all can become a disappointment. We learned that we all can become a disappointment, and none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. Just because we're Christians and we serve God and we accept the Christ does not mean that we're exempt from becoming a disappointment. There are many that claim Christ and have brought shame, have brought shame to his name. And, and I don't, I, you know, I, I pray and, and our prayers, our prayers should be, Lord, um, lead my, my words, my actions, be in, be in everything that I do, be in and how I am. Like, it's the simple prayers. Sometimes we don't pray. Like, Lord, just be, like, like with me and through me. And, and, and as I speak, as I think, as I react, you know, let it be you. Let it be you know, a, a reflection of you. Simple prayers like that. Because today we see, and, and it's sad, it's sad, it's sad. We see how men, some men and women of God, through their actions, their words, and their lifestyles have brought shame to his name. And it especially hurts the kingdom and it hurts the body when another pastor, a minister, is, well, there was just one, another one on the news last week. Another minister had to step down because of, you know, immorality issues, you know? And it hurts. It hurts the body of Christ to go through these things. But, but that situation, what he, what he went through, it brought shame to the name of God. It brought shame to his name. So no one's exempt. But knowing that no one is exempt should draw us closer to God. It should pull us closer to God knowing that we need him to keep us uh, without, you know, keep us from bringing shame to him. Right? We learn that we can be restored. Imagine Mark's journey back. Imagine his journey back, right? What is going through his mind? So Paul and Barnabas, they're about to go in another direction, and he's like, I got to go back home. He's on his way back home. What's going through his mind? What's going through his mind? What is he thinking? You know, when he gets back to the church, like, what does he tell them? Um, you know, I'm cool. I, I just wanted to do, you know, two weeks and, and come back real quick. Uh, oh, no, no, you know, they, they said they didn't need me anymore. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What, what did he say, you know? You know, was he honest? Was he not? You know, uh, you know, how did the church react when he got home? Like, you know, we don't know these things. But we do know that um, he could have been down on himself. He could have felt like he let them down. You know, any person traveling, I believe, with Paul and Barnabas, you want to, you like, make a good impression. You want, you want them to, to like you. You want them to, to appreciate you. And then for him leaving, he probably was like, man, I did let them down. I should have stayed with them. I mean, why did I do that? I mean, he could have been hard on himself. Some of us are too hard on ourselves when we make a mistake. Some of us, we, you know, we fall into this seat of condemnation that we just kind of like, those, you know those bucket seats in some cars, like the bucket ones that you got to like climb out? Like, we put ourselves in some bucket seats that it's hard to get out of because we, we just, we, we put too much on ourselves. He could have just faded away, just went back and just been like, you know what, 
maybe this wasn't for me. Because sometimes when we fall into condemnation, the devil loves to use that, that when we fall into a place like that, he loves it. Because that's where he's like, so now that you feel this way, you don't even need to go back. Now that you feel this way, you see you done messed up so bad. There's no, there's no going back. There's no moving forward. Praise God. There's, you know, it's like at that moment, at that moment, you're like, you know, the devil's like, you're right. There's no going back. Just don't. You done messed up. You can't be forgiven. There's no going back. He loves that. How many of us have heard lies like that before? The enemy just telling you, like, it's not worth it. You can't, you can't be redeemed from this. There's no coming back from this. But apparently, he didn't let go. He didn't let go. You see, um, some of us used to be more active in our walk with God. Like I mentioned before, we used to serve more. We used to witness more. We used to sacrifice more. We submitted to the Lord more before. We put others before us more often in the past. And something happened in the result of the trials and tribulations that, that it, it just kind of kind of made that die out. But it can be restored. You can make a decision to say not just let go and say, oh, well. You can say, no, no, I can't, I can't accept this because I remember once. I remember the passion. I remember the excitement. I remember the move of the Holy Spirit. I remember how he used to work through, through, through the simple things that I would do for him. I remember. And make a decision to say, you know what? I want that again. I want to awaken that again. So today, I want to remind you guys that there's a second chance. Some of you are like, I just used up my second chance already. Well, and I said there's unlimited chances. Today is another chance. Another chance that God is saying, listen, I still love you. Another chance that says, I still believe in you. Another chance for him to say, listen, what I put in you, I haven't taken away. It's still in you. And I want to awaken it. I want to ignite it. Can you guys stand with me today? Restoration is available for you. Redemption is available for you. We serve a God that redeems. We serve a God that restores. And he wants to do that in your life. That's all. He wants to. You see, you have a purpose you have a specific purpose. And he wants to redeem you and restore you so that you can live out the purpose that he has uh, embedded, embedded in you. 
It's not too late. It's not too late. Are you breathing? Do breath check. It's not too late. It's not too late. He remembered, he was remembered for being useful to the ministry. He wasn't remembered for being that guy that quit. You don't have to remember for being the person that quit and walked away. You could be remembered from the per, for the person that said, no, it's, I, I, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay committed. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, today um, we have communion. And um, before, before we go into communion, I, just, I, I do, I do want to give an opportunity for prayer. So I, I, the prayer team can come up. Uh, the prayer team can come up, please. And, and what I want to do is I do want to pray because there are some of us today that have walked in the doors feeling like it was too late. Like what God was doing in us was a lifetime ago. And God's like, no, 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 it wasn't a lifetime ago. I mean, maybe it seemed like a lifetime ago, but, but it's not too late. So if you're saved, because some of you know, well, I'm saved. I don't got to go pray. No, if you're saved, you accepted Christ. You accepted Christ. But what happens is, uh, my question is to you, are you being useful for the ministry? There's a lot of Christians standing in front of me today. My question to you is, are you being useful for the ministry? Are you being useful for the kingdom of God? And if the answer is, well, I don't really know where to start or I don't know what to do or no, then I want to pray with you today. We want to pray with you because we believe that God today will ignite a passion, will, will, will kickstart an engine that was failing a little bit, will bring redemption and restoration to lives that feel condemned because of mistakes that we've made. And as we're praying, if you have not accepted Christ today or not, have not done it yet, then I challenge you to do so because, <laughs> first of all, it's the greatest decision you will ever make. But second of all, he wants to use you. There's purpose in you. And coming to Christ and accepting him is just the first step in walking in your purpose. So the altar's open, and as we're praying, don't, just don't hold back. Just take a step of faith forward, knowing that God will meet you at this altar. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Father God, this today has just been powerful from the beginning of, uh, of even pre before the service started. Father God, you are moving in a powerful way today. You are speaking to us today. You are reminding us, Father God, that it is not too late. That the decisions that we've made in the past don't affect our future, don't, don't necessarily determine our complete future. That we can choose today to turn to you for restoration and redemption. 
Father God, look at the hearts of those standing here today, Lord. Those that have made mistakes. Those, Father God, that perhaps, Father God, haven't walked in the direction that you've pointed them to, Lord. I ask that you meet them here today, Lord. The altars open as we, we desire to pray with you that God will stir and ignite what is dying, what is dead, those that feel condemned. He wants to free you from that feeling today. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus.